Greetings, citizens of Earth. You are barking a happy tune with my pal Smurf of Smurf and the Magic Tones on 5280 Geek. Live from the Figure Studios, it is Weekend Geek Update. Smurf here. It's been so long, I feel like I have forgotten how to do this. I'm playing with the microphone, trying to get everything all situated to properly enlighten y'all in my view and stuff that have caught my eye and just kind of catch up. It's been a while, hasn't it? It's been a minute. Been traveling the country, hitting cons, talking to people, speaking with fans. Thank you to all that reached out and said hello while uh, I was on the road and checking in at the different cons, saying hi, being the happy bunch of listeners that you guys are. So I can't do this without you. So thank you so much, and uh, hopefully we can continue to entertain you. Uh, and in that vein of continuing to entertain you, we also have our sponsors, SusieQs.com, who was on the road with me. Can't do, you know, traveling without, like, someone to keep you from wandering around aimlessly drunk and in the streets. That's that's just poor form. <laughs> if you go to SusieQs.com, she is the purveyor of some amazing armor inspired jewelry it is it is spectacular to watch her work it is amazing if you have not noticed the green and black bracelet that i wear uh at cons and at events is one of her creations it is amazing go to suzycues.com check out all the different styles and varieties that are available there and get something unique for yourself or you know that one hard to shop for person also, we want to thank our other sponsor, Mr. Matt Campbell over at Action Line Studios, who is diligently at work with the latest issue of Mythica. If you go to actionlinestudios.com and enter in the code 5280, you will receive a discount on his trade paperbacks and other uh, issues. And ish, uh, I think he's got a couple of issues up there right now. I know he's got the trades. For all of the story uh, from Mythica so far, I know he's working on the next issue, and there will be a Kickstarter coming, and Matt will be on the show again, I can promise you, just as soon as I stop traveling. It's not a Matt thing. It's a me. <laughs> uh, and we'll get to what's going on for me in here just a second, but uh, go to Mythica, or go to Action Studios, actionlinestudios.com, jeez, and check out Mythica, enter in 5280Geek or enter in 5280 because you know that's that's the thing 5280 geek 5280 see it's it's linear thinking on its best part and you will get a discount if you have no way of getting online or you don't want to do it go to some of the local stores here in colorado have issues want to check it out and give it a give it a sample by all means please do um you can go i know wayne up in boulder our buddy wayne at time warp comics is a proud uh, sponsor for Mythica, so go check out, and just go check out Wayne. Wayne's got a great store. He's a fun guy. He was hanging out with us just the other night. Um, it was good to catch up. So here's here's kind of what's happened since we last spoke. Uh, had a beer launch party for our new uh, beer that will be available at Colorado Festival of Horror in 
just uh, under nine days, the uh, Buzo is available. It is available right now at Outworld. We will have it available at Colorado Festival of Horror. The location is the Embassy Suites at 4444 Havana Street, and that will be September 9th, 10th, and 11th. So, yes, it is a lot. Now, we also have other sponsors. We have Dragon Meadery, who made our wine, and it is delicious. It is a cab. Go figure. If you know me, you know I like a good cab. (laughs) So, sat down, put our heads together. Dragon Meadery delivered on one of the most spectacular uh, cabs that I've had in a very long time. And uh, we had it. I've, I've I've got my my bottle sitting here in the studio. You'll probably see it next week when Vadim and Susie return for the studio for our usual video podcast. And you will we'll show off the bottle. We'll we'll even maybe even sample a little on the air. But if you want this this keepsake, this amazing <sighs> tasting tasting cabs. See, I'm just getting I'm getting thirsty just thinking about it. Uh, you can go to jargonmeadery.com or you can go to Colorado Festival of Horrors Facebook page. There is a link in there that you can go directly to their website, purchase uh, a bottle, two, six, whatever, whatever you're thirsty for, and you can get it delivered to your home. And it, it's, it's absolutely, absolutely delightful. So, we had our beer launch for Buzo at Outworld Brewery, who is our other sponsor for the Colorado Festival of Horror, and it went great. Everything was spectacular. Thanks to the fans coming out. Everyone is excited for Colorado Festival of Horror. We have so many guests. I'm not going to name them all right now because I've got other stuff to tell you about. Uh, go to Colorado Festival of Horror Kofo on the Facebooks and the Instagrams and the website, and you will be able to see all of our guests. One of the ones that I'm probably most excited to talk to is Lloyd Kaufman. He is the creator of The Toxic Avenger. We will be premiering his his film, Shakespeare Shitstorm. Yes, that's right. Fresh off the press, Shakespeare Shitstorm at the C Film Center over on Colfax. We will be doing that Thursday night before the Colorado Festival of Horror kicks off the next day on Friday. If you want to come and hang out, I think tickets are still available. We will have Dragon Meadery there, in addition to Golden Moon, one of our other sponsors that will be doing some special cocktails. And Dragon Meadery, of course, will have their mead. And you will be able to buy the Kofo Cab by the glass. So you can try it out and see if you really want to buy a bottle. I get it. It's a new wine. A little hesitant. I'm with you. It's worth the money, though. Trust me. So, where do we go from here? What have I missed? What have you missed? Send me your messages. Send me your questions. I'm always eager to answer anything that may be kind of, you know, floating around in in the noodle, if you will. But right now, what's, what's the big topic? Everyone's got, like, a hot button right now. Because there have been a lot of different premieres, different shows have shown up, different things have come and gone. So... I've got a couple takes on some of the stuff that has caught my eye while I was on the road, in addition to some quirky stuff that, you know, what would the podcast be without me rambling endlessly about Lord knows what. I guess one of them would have to be, a couple weeks ago, premiered on Netflix a film called Day Shift. And it stars Jamie Foxx, and he's, he's been gone a minute, haven't seen him in anything for a while. And 
I just I you know what the funny thing about Netflix is lately for me I kind of in skimming through you know the recent releases what's popular in the U.S. what everyone's kind of watching and I'm finding my attention span or actually more like not even attention span it's just my allotted time that I have to sit is very very finite at this time so I I kind of looking at like the times I don't want to get into like a full blown series yet because as soon as I do I know I'm just going to want to like you know, power through it or binge the hell out of it or depending upon my time, I may only get like an episode or two in and then that's just one more thing that I'm like in my mind taking up space. So it looked relatively easy to watch. The premise is simple and it's absolutely delightful and refreshing. There, are, there, there really isn't a need for explanation Except for it's, it has a very fun Lost Boys kind of feel to it. It's vampires being hunted by an organization similar to like, you know, the FBI or any, any other organization set to eradicate evil. They have procedures. They have manuals. They have uh, audits and, and people that are in charge of them. And it is very very interesting but then you've got the field agents who want to do whatever they want to get the job done and you know the hard lines are drawn here and this is what we do and it it really is entertaining there's some amazing stunt work in it there are some funny moments and it really does kind of there were so many nods to different horror films and vampire-esque lore that I just kind of it, it checked out and just really enjoyed watching it. There are some moments where, you know, you're kind of like, eh, it's, there's no way that could work or anything like that. But, you know, we're dealing with vampires, so the suspension of disbelief is pretty easy once you get into it. And how they've built these vampires and the different sects, and you have, you know, it's like different regions of vampires are, are different things. They have different traits. It's really entertaining, and it's actually really well thought out. There are tender moments, don't get me wrong. Jamie Foxx is in it to to save his family, to to better himself and his daughter and his wife. They're, they're, they're separated, and he just wants to make things better. <laughs> and he's been lying to him that, you know, he's a vampire hunter, because that's what you do to save and protect your family. The Of course, this does lead to further complications in the story. But it all works out relatively well. One of the big takeaways for me on this, though, was Snoop Dogg as a vampire hunter. I mean, <laughs> I I was I was just endlessly amused because it's Snoop Dogg in a cowboy hat. It really is, and it just is hilarious because he just has this this swagger about him. He just shows up. He lays down a couple lines. His role is important. Important. It carries a lot of weight, but there's only a few scenes with Snoop Dogg involved. I think it's more of a budgetary thing because I think the character would have actually been more fun. But I think there could be a sequel planned for this because, of course, with the day shift, there is a night shift. I can honestly see this evolving into a second you know, film or a sequel called Night Shift. We get a little bit more information on some of the other characters. There were some 
I wouldn't say holes, but there there's some teases. There's some things that are left open to further perpetuate another film. And I think Jamie Foxx's character was actually really well put together. And Jamie delivers a a stellar performance as always. I've never really been too disappointed in Jamie Foxx in any of his films. So even his comedies and, you know, his is in Living Color days, the man is is fun to watch. It's entertaining. Add it to the queue. It's fun. It, it's fun just for a night or just something to fill the time or the space. And you can you can tell me your thoughts and let me know if you feel the same way on um, some of my my takes on it. Now there are a couple of other larger series that premiered, debuted, broke the ice. Uh, but we'll get to those on the HBO side in just a moment because there's like a whole lot of nonsense going on in the HBO camp that I'm very curious and I'm scratching my head about. But before we go over there, let's take a trip down Mousy Lane. Disney Plus did release uh, She-Hulk. We have episode two as of last Thursday, and She-Hulk Attorney at Law is very, very interesting. I'm... um. I, I don't I've got good and I've got bad and it's not the bad that you're thinking the 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 character itself is is okay and I know this is probably one of those hero journeys that we have seen before that Marvel has prided themselves on while creating characters and developing storylines and She-Hulk is no no uh miss no it's the same thing there are some really bad choices as far as editing from episode one that I'm just like, okay. But all in all, it wasn't like a complete waste of viewing time. The relationship between Jen and Bruce is just as I would in, have anticipated. It's more of like a family thing, uh, brother and sister ribbing each other, having a good, good time, a little bit of a lark getting caught up as what has gone on since the blip. So I was wrong that this happens in between the blip. The Hulk has saved the universe. He he took the gauntlet, he snapped it right, and everything is set back into motion, and the world is actually, I wouldn't say praising the Hulk, but everybody knows that the Hulk saved the universe. So there there is some um, payoff for that. We get a very interesting opening moment between Bruce and with Jennifer that leads to the car wreck, leads to her getting her powers, leads to a lot of questions, leads to a lot of different interactions between the two. We see that Bruce has a bar. He had some time with, you know, Tony, with the two of them working on the evolution and the creation of Smart Hulk. So we do get a lot of filler for what happened during the blip with the heroes so it's kind of fun and it's cool and you get this you get to appreciate the hulk a lot more and in fact there there's this is what should have happened long ago this should have happened way back in like phase two or phase three to be honest with you i know i have bitched that she hulk was overlooked she was She's too crucial of a character for both Avengers, the Hulk, and for the Fantastic Four not to have involved sooner. Not to mention, these stories that we're getting now with the Hulk would have been great 
sooner or we should have still had another hulk film even though edward norton um his his hulk his hulk is acknowledged it is part of canon just edward norton didn't come back so and the man was crazy he wanted to rewrite lots of script stuff so that aside they still could have pulled something together for the hulk i'm completely um fixated on that i think that would have been the better choice now, what we get with She-Hulk is is fun, it's great, and by the end of episode one, you're, you're like, okay, here's where things kind of go wonky. The, the CGI is, is not good. Let's, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to like downplay it or just, you know, shrug it off, but it's not good at all. I don't like what's going on. I don't like what I'm seeing. And visually, it's kind of off-putting. I don't think it's just the the oh, what the, how they're doing it, but it's just not the caliber or the quality that we are accustomed to when dealing with the MCU. The movies, I know, have, I would think, a larger budget. But we're talking about Disney here, who should be able to have a much bigger budget. Ms. Marvel had a lot of CGI moments and things that attributed to her, Amila Khan, having her powers and everything else. So did that chew up She-Hulk's budget? I, I don't know. But there's a lot of things that just are, are not right about this. The, the editing is okay. It's, it's a little sloppy in some places. It's not as bad in Episode 2, but Episode 1 is... There's, <laughs> there's some... Ugh. But... More about the, the, the CGI and the special effects. Uh, maybe it gets better. Maybe it improves. Maybe as things go along, we see things kind of, you know, tighten up a little bit. It's not as blurry or it just doesn't look so wrong. The other part of it, and this is probably more annoying to me than the CGI, is the breaking of the fourth wall. And I don't want to say Deadpool did it better or does it better. But Deadpool does it better. I'm sorry. It is it is just what it is. I know they're pulling a lot from the John Byrne era of the She-Hulk comic, and it was delivered spectacularly, seamlessly. And in fact, it was one of the benchmarks to that comic series. And it was fun. It was great. Them trying to take the idea and kind of wedge it in here is sloppy, and it's not as seamless as you would think. Especially with Deadpool, when you know he's doing more of his internal dialogue, talking out loud, and just how the character is is built. Here with She-Hulk, it's not as is free flowing. It's not as I don't I don't natural. It's really not. It's it feels forced. It feels like it's an afterthought. It feels like, okay, we don't know what else to do, so we're just going to try and pull in the audience for the gag reflex, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of move it through. Because they don't know how to deliver a punchline or make it funny, so pause for effect, look at the camera, and wait for the crowd reaction is really the feel that I'm getting for this. To be fair, it's easy to throw stones. It's only episode two, and I'm sure it will get better. There have been some great little Easter eggs along the way. A couple characters I wasn't expecting kind of in the background, and I'm hoping we get more on them. Of course, the acknowledgement of, 
I mean, I've already known, and it has already been solidified previous to this, but the Edward Norton Hulk as canon, I've known it's always been there, but I know there was always, like, fierce debate in the nerd culture of whether or not it happened or how it worked together. So that acknowledgement is fun. The one hopeful, fingers crossed thing we get to see is Planet Hulk. There's a moment at the end of episode two that kind of lead, lends us to believe that there, there, that could happen, as well as how Hulk guts his, gets his arm fixed. There, are, and it's a quick kind of throwaway moment. If you're not paying attention, you're going to miss it because there's a lot of over talking of the other, and Jen is very uh, word happy. She talks a lot and incessantly so. So. Pay attention, watch your backgrounds, see what's going to be popping up, because it looks like it could be kind of fun. One of the other things that is actually um, hilarious, as of August 29th, uh, Disney Plus made a official Twitter account for She-Hulk Attorney at Law. Now, <laughs> what I think this is great, and it's already got 4,000 likes, is they are posting Emil Blonsky's haikus. They try to like bring the abomination back into the foreground. It's been 14 years since we have seen the character. There have been a lot of speculation as far as what they were going to do with them, especially when we get the tease in uh, Spider-Man with Wong in the or, uh, uh, not uh, Shang-Chi excuse me not Spider-Man Shang-Chi don't at me I got it um, with that whole scene in the fight club and all of that that's going on so I know a lot of fans were shocked to see him show up so it's the same abomination and evidently he's been writing haikus there's actually a moment that the Hulk acknowledges the the pen pal relationship that the two of them started with Emil being in jail and everything else. So there, there are some very interesting twists and I like some of the choices that they have made for character development in regards to abomination and some of it for Jen slash she Hulk. So Emil, while he has been in jail has been writing haikus. In fact, one of them, he wants to read, to She-Hulk while he's in the glass, and she's like, oh, God, please no. And it's actually kind of a fun, cute moment that was delivered very well. So now (laughs) they have a Twitter account that is dedicated specifically to uh, his haikus, and I'm really, really loving it. If you go and check it out, I think it should be under, um, it's either, I think it's uh, She-Hulk Attorney at Law for the Instagram account, and you can go check it out. It is, it's, it's entertaining, it's great, and there are, um, six haikus that are actually written by tim roth and it it it, it's fun it's cool i thought it was interesting and better marketing than i have seen in the previous marvel series thus far so go check it out because i think it's worth the read okay as promised let's get on to the hbo side of things because it's a bit of a mess, to say the least. First of all, before we get into the mess, let's talk about Game of Thrones 
And the House of Dragons, House of Dragons, House of Dragons. Now it doesn't work. Peter Dinklage, Peter Dinklage, Peter Dinklage. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm just cracking myself up here in the studio. The House of Dragons premiered, and uh, episode two is out, and it's everything I expected from a Game of Thrones. It really is. There were there were really no surprises. There really wasn't anything that I kind of was in like absolute ooh surprise about. I was a little shocked about the whole jousting competition and the brutality that knights bestowed upon fellow knights for the pure glory and sake of just disemboweling their comrades. I mean, that was uh, not pleasant. I thought it was like, you know, a game or a chance to show off your skill not you know bludgeon your your compatriots to death oh my god there are some moments in that in that jousting competition that even i was like holy crap they spared no expense to bloody up somebody but again it's game of thrones nothing and i mean truly nothing was a surprise in this first episode first two episodes at all I don't know if we just got spoiled with how things ran in Game of Thrones prior to this or it was such a letdown with the season finale or any of that. I'm really just kind of I don't think I'm over Game of Thrones. There's some great drama. There's some great scenes. There are some impressive battles. I mean, the Red Wedding did not disappoint. Battle of the Bastards is still one of my favorite just brutal in the mud rock him sock him kick him in the balls kind of action that everyone loves to see we don't get a whole lot of that just yet and i think it's the build-up as we draw the lines as we see where everyone is kind of sitting it's been designated and duly noted that it's been a time of peace that that's tenuous at best but it has still been a time of peace there hasn't been any major wars battles and the age of dragons has um ushered in um, a, a moment that everyone can breathe however there's unrest there are unruly people looking to take what they feel is owed to them and their pound of flesh however they want to carve it off of you and um work to tip the scales change the balance if you would and, of course, there's always the internal rivalry of brother versus brother, the the hand versus the king, the the patriarchy versus you know, the, the, the servants, whatever have you. There are a lot of different factions that are starting to form, and you see where the lines are being drawn. I'm sure in Game of Thrones fashion, there will be plenty of moments that will change we will see you know allies realign we'll see enemies come out of nowhere and the backstabbing will continue as always but after the first two episodes meh i'm i'm not i'm not out don't get me wrong but i'm not impressed uh the sets are spectacular the costuming is great the special effects are better than she hulk and that's not hard to do and it and all in all it feels like game of thrones there is this weird adjustment period as far as getting used to the characters but i found myself more interested in the location the background where where are we which castle is still here how are the families going to fraction and faction off into 
what we have come to know and have become very comfortable with when it comes to Game of Thrones. So, the framework is there. Now it's just the meat of the story and to get everything put into perspective and ready to go. Uh, episode 3, according to the previews, looks like we will not have to wait long for the overall bash em, rock em, sock em, kick em in the balls, peel your pound of flesh off much longer, so we'll see. And I'm really, honestly, I'm really dying to get a dragon into a couple dragons fighting. Come on. We never got it in Game of Thrones. They just came in and laid waste to a bunch of peasants, so we never got it. I want it. Give it to me. Now, the other side of HBO, and I don't know what's going on. So while I was away, the Batgirl film got scrapped. It got shelved. It's never seen the light of day. And there are a lot of rumors and speculation as to why. A lot of people are saying that the film just looks absolutely wretched and they don't want to put it out there. Others are claiming that HBO is looking for the insurance payoff with it not coming out and them being so far behind in schedule due to production issues, Rona, and everything else that you can think of under the sun that caused delays. That the they wrecked a couple of, you know, billion-dollar Batmobiles just pulling in there out of the garage. The The list is long and it's infinite, and, you know, it reads pretty much like a DC versus Marvel who would win in this fight type of scenario. So I stopped reading about halfway through and just didn't give a shit. So, personal opinion, and from my sources, they all kind of point at this film is not good. It It really really reads like a horrible spaghetti western that nobody knew what was going on it was a bunch of stuff thrown together michael keaton doesn't show up nearly as often as everyone is hoping or is led to believe so i think and in my personal opinion there's been other stories before i get to my personal opinion there's been other stories that they held like a vigil for the film that the directors tried pulling, you know, getting it out of the studio, but got blocked off. So they couldn't do like they did for justice league and come back with the Snyder cut. So there, there's a lot of things going on with this film. I, you know, for one, one less bad DC movie out there. I'm okay with one less, thing that we can point the finger at dc and just say god why can't you guys get this right if you're willing to fall on the sword and say you know what we don't want to put this out there because it's horrible i would respect that more than you know the nerds pointing and saying well it's because of this or that or whatever if you just said we put a lot into this it still doesn't feel right we don't like it we're not going to put it out there i would respect that endlessly more and i'm i'm okay with it i really am i feel bad for everybody that put all of their their hard-earned energy and and making a film is not easy you getting into the costume is not easy showing up every day and putting your heart and soul into something that you want the fans to see is not easy but at the end of the day and and this is my takeaway from it if it's not worth watching don't (laughs) it's that simple and i don't I, i mean perfect example Perfect example. Because somebody actually asked me this question. If Green Lantern with Ryan Reynolds had the opportunity to get shelved like Batgirl, would you be okay with it? And absolutely I would. I, I, I think I would be 
so fine that I it wouldn't even it wouldn't even register. And I know everyone's like, no, you would be bothered by it. No, I wouldn't. Because DC's track record is nothing stellar. They haven't done well, I can't say they haven't done it right, but the rights versus the wrongs, the wrongs are winning. So that's that's just, just how you have to look at it. Now, the other side of this is DC and HBO have this new partnership because of mergers and uh, whatnot. But we we have come to find out that DC's par- projects over at HBO have been scrapped. In fact, the animated Batman story that we broke a couple months ago, The Caped Crusader, has been scrapped. This was the animated series that Bruce Timm, along with J.J. Abrams, uh, were going to produce. It was bringing basically the animated series all back together to um, to bring us in a whole new legacy of Batman. Ed Brubaker was even on as executive producer. So the the promise of a return of the animated series and shaped by all of the people that were involved in the Emmy winning series before have now been effectively scrapped. I don't know why. Um, it was weird as I'm pulling up my my notes. Um, that it just there was no explanation. Nothing was really given reason it just was was done but this isn't a whole big surprise especially since like the week prior they went really nuts because they went through a wave of cancellations and here's just a few um that got scrapped merry little batman uh the day the earth blew up a looney tunes movie bye bye bunny uh a looney tunes musical uh Steve Urkel story the amazing world of gumball the movie then they went on to even whack more and removed from their catalogs so they announced they removed close enough aquaman king of atlantis infinity train and i mean the list the list just goes on and it's really really weird uh to, to what's going on. Now, this is what is coming out of the HBO Max and HBO side office. And this is a direct quote. As we work toward bringing our content catalogs together under one platform, we will be making changes to the content offering available on both HBO Max and Discovery+. Plus. That will include the removal of some content from both platforms. The company went on further to say at the same time we're uh, already starting to bring our content catalogs together like the launch of the new CNN Originals hub on Disney Plus. Don't give a shit about CNN and a curated collection of Magnolia Network content coming to HBO Max. I don't know how I feel about that and I don't know what's going on, but obviously there's some issues. AT&T does not know how to run a comic book c- company, so I know there's no help in this and I'm not sure how HBO Max figures into that equation. I am happy that Doom Patrol and Titans will be returning. I'm ecstatic that we're going to get another series or another season of Perry Mason which I thought was like the best breakout series of last year or two years ago. I've got to put my 
blip in perspective, uh, which uh, was a Robert Downey Jr. production that came out of his production house. And it was absolutely stellar to get that kind of feel of Perry Mason and the the noir of it all. So there are some smart choices that are going on over there. But I'm really curious as to is this just it? I don't think we'll ever see Batgirl. I'm fine with that. I'm extremely broken up about the animated series getting dashed on the rocks below. But uh, I guess we can only wait and see if there is some other grander scheme of things that um, we just haven't been able to see yet. So while one project get canc- gets canceled, another one sees the light of day as Red Sonja is actually getting a movie and has uh, started production. I, I mean, it's hard to really compete with the Brigitte Nielsen Red Sonja because it's just so, I don't know, just classic with the Conan vibe and Arnold being in it and... I don't know if I want to see a new Red Sonja, but evidently we are going to get it whether we want it or not. Millennium Media, Millennium Media has confirmed that production has started and will be uh, very hard at work. The media company uh, has has been focusing on the character, uh, and um, Midladia Lutz is the a star from the breakout horror film Revenge will be apprising the role of Red Sonja, and we'll we'll see what happened. The project uh, is a script from Joey Soloway and Tasha Huro, and we'll we'll see. I mean, we haven't seen a Red Sonja film since 1985, so we'll see. I know there was the. Uh, the rumors that we may get one with, you know, Rose McGowan playing the evil sorceress from the, you know, Conan film that was was less well received. And it, I mean, it's it's even with Mimosa behind the the project on that one. I don't think there was any save in it. It's it's we'll see. I'm I'm excited. I am because I know something new, something different. We're always yelling for it. So this this could be good and it could not be good which kind of seems to be the norm and maybe it'll just be kind of normal uh one of the quotes from the production team i've been working uh, with the millennium production team on adapting this extraordinary graphic novel since luke lieberman brought it to us several years ago MJ is a fantastic filmmaker who truly understands the power of this story that will ignite audiences everywhere. In the realm of fantasy and graphic novels, there is no greater, more empowered female character who has stood the test of time. Courtney Solomon and I are privileged to be part of this fabulous production team. And this is coming from producer Mark Canton. So, fingers crossed, I'm in. Let me When, when we see some stills, then we'll know. Hopefully, it's better costuming than we see in the X-Men films. That's all I got to say. <laughs> uh, what else? And the big story, my, my last final take is, and I know we'll be talking about this later and in more detail, just simply because who it is. Sandman, while we were away, premiered, watched it, and, and wow. Just Wow. Everything that was put into this is amazing. 
there have been some choices made, some decisions that make perfect sense for this story to move along. And there were things that I was curious on how they were going to work around because, face it, not everything that happened in the comic is a viable solution in the film world right now. There are characters that you just cannot use. There their their names, their locations that are just not available. And to bypass those so creatively and to create such an immersive world and weave this tapestry that is not only captivating but addicting is impressive. Now, I know the first couple of episodes. The first one is the foundation. It lays it all out. It's a little slow at first. Don't get me wrong. It's not absolutely perfect, but it is in the vein of the comic all of the passion, all of the love, everything that you have felt in the comic over the years is here. And it is spectacularly delivered in the best way possible. And once you get past those first couple of episodes and you start to see how this all lays out and you see the evolution of Morpheus from flashbacks of previous incarnations in life and things that went on before his captivity is impressive to see this range and develop a character in this fashion is not only encouraging but it's it's absolutely mind-blowing to just see how the dynamic of the character has changed and has reshaped and has been created to relate to and yet also kind of fear you want morpheus to win but everyone around him is like no dream's a dick and we do get those vibes. There are stories, there are characters that insinuate and lead us to believe those views. And we, we don't have to wait long. And like I say, this is as close as I can depict or envision or even imagine for an adaptation. Um, there are lines, there are beautiful, beautiful lines that are pulled directly from the pages onto the screen. There are moments and backdrops that, I mean, you think they can't be, you know, done justice because of the art and everything that was involved in the creation of Sandman. But there it is. There's so many great moments that we, 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 I think you just take it for granted. You get lost in what's going on, and like the nerds who unfortunately torpedoed Cowboy Bebop, I fear will try and torpedo this. The Sandman is an ageless classic. It's right up there with Watchmen, in my opinion. How do you, how do you adapt the Watchmen to now to a different huge change in the world the landscape is different the political atmosphere is completely off the rails compared to what it was for Watchmen the world has changed things have gone on since Sandman's initial breakout on the shelf I think it's been adequately thought of and remarkably adjusted there are so many things that they have done right and the choices that have gone on work really well. There are a couple of stories that I was curious of how they were going to pull them off, and they did it. They really did. And the it's not preachy. It's not, it's not any of the other sci-fi stories that I've bitched about over the last couple of months that are trying to fulfill an agenda, that are trying to cram different ideas. Sandman makes you think. And you start to see where where it can go. 
the one surprise, actually there's many surprises, but the one that I will touch on is the release of an additional bonus episode. The animated one with the cats is, in the book, is so good. And it captured the exact same motions, if not only heightened them, when I saw it on the screen. And it, in true game and fashion you are sitting there watching this develop and you can't help but be pulled in i know and there's a lot of rumors floating around this and having spoke with neil directly during the book uh party a few months back we know that well we are under the impression that there was going to be a season two of sandman of course, everyone is always speculating whether or not it, it, it's going to happen in this new streaming environment that we've created where if the audience isn't where certain executives or powers that be expect, then it's done. Hence, Cowboy Bebop, which I still think if they brought a second season would thrive. I honestly think that this was poorly assessed and the nerds got it wrong. I hold to that to this day, and I even told that to Neil. I don't think Sandman will suffer the same fate as Cowboy Bebop. If anything, there has been some amazing revelations and characters and the things that are going to come in Season 2. Now, a lot of news broke last week about there not being a Season 2. That Netflix was already considering axing the, the, the series before it really had a chance based on numbers and trends and what people are saying. And again, listening to the nerds. I think... It will get, actually, I'm pretty sure it'll get a second season. There's no reason for it not to. Yes, I know it's expensive, but then so are all these other shows that they're trying to push. All these things that are kind of like, mm, this is at least driving the conversation. This is at least creating uh, an environment and people are thinking and they're talking and they're witnessing something that is quite spectacular. The characters fit, uh, the, the story works, and the, the workarounds and the ideas that everyone have brought to the table is great. There, eh, there's a couple of things I would change, and those conversations I will save for when Susie is here so that we can have a nice little kind of back and forth about it. But my initial take is this is great. Give it a chance. Give it a watch. Give it a second watch just to make sure you didn't miss anything because there's a lot of things there's a lot of subtleties that you may not notice right out of the gate and that's okay it's only simply because you're comparing it or you're you're focused in the wrong direction you're you're not you know you're focused on the left hand but you don't see what the right hand is doing and that i think could easily be the case here give it a second watch give it the moment that it needs to just kind of permeate your 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 thought process i don't know and i don't remember if sandman was an instant hit back in the day i know the print run was small and neil was actually asked to write an entirely different story and character uh than what he delivered and it was received very well it is carved in stone in dc's backbone of one of the most creative series of all time and i would agree with that I want to see a second season. Nerds, don't mess this up. Because <laughs> I'll be pissed. Go to HBO. Take a watch. 
or not HBO. Sorry. Go to Netflix. I apologize. I was scrolling and I had HBO on my my monitor. Go to Netflix. Give it a watch. Let me know what your thoughts are. I mean, there are a lot of things that even I may have missed. There's something maybe that I'm overlooking, and it's gone horribly, horribly wrong. I wasn't even annoyed with Patton Oswalt voicing the crow. I'm I'm actually okay with it, and I think everybody already knows that I think he's overused. But, you know, there, there, there are things. And Joanna Constantine is spot on. It's really hard to argue with her as, in that role. So give it a chance. Give it a once-over. Let me know what your thoughts are, because, you know, I might be wrong. Probably not. Uh, and final story, something that uh, I'm excited to see, Borderlands, new tales from the Borderlands. We get a trailer from Gearbox showing what we have in store from uh, the old Telltale title. So everything, uh, when Telltale went bankrupt and we thought we lost everything, Gearbox swooped in at the midnight hour and gathered up borderlands and now we're about to have tales from the borderlands there is no release date and i'll throw in the trailer if i can find it again on the web page so if you go to 5280geek.com you'll be able to see the trailer for this and it's fun it's totally in the vein of gearbox or in a uh Borderlands, it's great, and I'm excited for a new a new story from Borderlands. It's always you never know what you're going to get with Borderlands, but it is completely entertaining either way. And best of all, you get a talking gun, yeah, a gun that talks to you, like the singing sword. Anyway, um, <laughs> I think that's about it for today. Yeah, that that, that kind of wraps us up. So. Give me your questions. Give me your thoughts. We'll let you know what's coming up for cons in the next couple of days. We will be at NDK. Well, I will be at NDK later this week. In addition to next week is the Colorado Festival of Horror, where I will be and we will have interviews with guests and lots, lots of adventures to tell you about there. But give us a like. Give us a share. Share. Tell all your friends about us, your dirty little secret. But in the meantime, run fast, laugh hard, and always be kind. Good night.